Good morning. How's everyone doing today? Enjoying your Memorial Day weekend? Nice weather. You know, I'm so thankful that it's now warm weather. Like, a month and a half ago, we had snow, and it's just hard to believe. So thank God for warm weather. But um, for those of you that don't know, uh, my name is Jared, and um, uh, I'll be reading a verse out of Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4 through 5. It says, Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten by God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions, and he was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and by his stripes we are healed. So for this Memorial Day, there's with that verse, there's two things you can remember. There's only two men who ever really laid down your life for you. One is Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, who gave you the precious gift you could ever get. And that's your ticket to heaven. Otherwise, you wouldn't be going to heaven if without him. And by his blood, you have that. And the other is, of course, the American soldier. So by a show of hands, how many military veterans do we have here in the room? One, a few? Okay. Well... We thank you for your service. Your sacrifice is honorable, and we appreciate you. Yeah. This country's been here for about 250 years now, and without you guys, we wouldn't have the freedoms that we have today, so we thank you for your service. So I'm going to pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you, Lord, for the service today. We thank you, Lord, for those who have laid down their lives for this country and for the freedoms that we have to worship you. And Lord, we thank you for sending your son, Jesus, to have laid down his life for the ultimate sacrifice for us, Lord. We just thank you that by his stripes, we are healed and by his blood, we are covered, Lord. We just praise you and thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Praise your holy name. Praise your holy name. Praise the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, Jesus. <laughs> Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Blessed be your holy name. You may be seated for just a moment. Not the worship team. You may have to stay there all day. Not sure. Can you leave those words, please? Can you put those words back up? This, uh, this hits me every once in a while. Been doing this for a long time, over 30 years. Been a pastor, been in ministry for even longer. But full-time for over 30 years, and it never ceases to amaze me. That when a group of people praise God, I mean really praise God, and His presence is here. Amen. This thought, it just never ceases to amaze me. It just... The thought I have, because this is my job, this is what I do next, is what do I say when I stand up there? <laughs> what do I talk about? Because we just sang the most holy name. 
in the universe. We just gave honor to the greatest being that's ever existed, that'll ever exist. Early, early on, we get to, I couldn't even say anything. You know, why need me then? You know, what, well, gotta have job security, you gotta say something, right? But the idea of what do you talk about? What do you, what do you say? What is the topic in our heart when, you, when you're in the presence of the living God? And what just comes out of me, what I'd like to say is just, holy, holy, holy. Lord God Almighty, who is and was and will always be. That's just, it's, it's not a shtick, man. It's not a, it's not a game. It's not a thing. The God of all the universe loves you. The God of all the universe sent his son to die for you. To die for you. For you. And when we worship, man, I just, I love this church. You guys bless me. I've heard it before. I've heard it from many people who come here. For the, sometime, for the very first time, they'll come and say, wow, these people are actually worshiping. <laughs> yeah, isn't that the way it's supposed to be? <laughs> and then when we enter the presence of God, it's like, what do you talk about now? What's, what's important after this? Am I important? No, I'm not important. Is anybody, I mean, are people important? Well, yeah, let me just say it this way. Are people important? No, they're not. Not in the light of the presence of God. Stuff is not important. Things, wealth, money, my goodness, none of that's important. He's important. Now, here's the beauty, and that's why I had to, had to stop and say it the way I said it, and I'll come back to this. But because of him, he makes people important. He chose, he chose for you to be important. You're important to him. In the light of Jesus Christ, in the light of who he is, you're important. You're important to him. So that means that you're important to me. And we should be important to each other. That's why we don't treat people badly. Not because, well, I might get caught. Think about that for a second. The reason we don't treat people badly is because they're made in the image of God. What's really important? He is. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. What are some of those other words? Let's kind of go through the the words, because as we were singing them, they were just, it was just, wow. And, and you, you might know we were going to sing them again. Jesus, Son of God, Messiah, the Lamb, the Roaring Lion. Oh, be still. Oh, be still. When I, when I was a kid, I went to a church. I won't tell you what kind it was. doesn't matter. 
But people used to fellowship before service started. And it used to tick people off. It was like people were talking and laughing in the sanctuary. So the, the board decided to put, be still and know that I am God in like foot and a half letters all the way across the front of the sanctuary. And I'm sitting there going, I think they got, I think they don't, I don't think they understand. Heaven's going to be noisy. Because of what he did, there's going to be people there and people are going to be fellowshipping. They're going to, I mean, that's, I love, you know, we're not going to do, we're not going to do the, the greeting time this morning because it's going to get out of hand if we do, but... Because of what he did, we can, we can have joy and life and fullness. And people are going to be laughing and crying, crying in joy, dancing, talking, rem reminiscing, telling them, remember when Jesus did this for us? Remember when God did this? Remember when God did that? That's what this is all about. This isn't about me. It's not about you. It's not about this. It's not about anything else other than Jesus. And if we put anything else in front of him, it's idolatry. <laughs> oh, sorry, had to go there. No matter what it is. I want to sing this song again, just because it's about him. Start wherever you like. Everybody stand up, please, if you would. Start where you want, end where you want. We're just, we're going to continue. We're just going to keep worshiping Him. Hallelujah. Lord, we do behold you this morning. And we're blessed. We're amazed. We're honored that you'd be here with us. We're so honored to be in you. And this morning, I pray that every name, every name that has a name bows its knee to Jesus Christ. Every name shall bow. Every knee humbles itself before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You have preeminence here today, Father. You have preeminence here today. You, you have your way here. Your will be done. Not our will be done. Your will be done. On earth as it is in heaven. Jesus Christ is Lord. Say that with me. Jesus Christ is Lord. Say it one more time. Jesus Christ is Lord. Jesus Christ is Lord over this church. Amen? Jesus Christ is Lord over us. Jesus Christ is Lord over Minnesota and Wisconsin. Jesus Christ is Lord over the St. Croix River Valley. Jesus Christ is Lord over this earth. And Father, I pray that your your anointing, your presence, your glory fills this earth as the waters cover the sea. Thank you for it, Lord. Glory to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Praise the Lord. Well, it's good to be here this morning.
Good to be in the presence of the Lord. Good to see you folks. Praise God. God's got good things, doesn't he? He has good things for us. He has good things. Whether we, whether we acknowledge it or not, whether we receive him or not, whether we do anything with it, now that's the question, isn't it? It's all about... Turn to Hebrews. Chapter 11, we've been there a bunch recently. Probably be there for a couple more weeks, I think. I'm not sure. We'll see. Hebrews chapter 11, we're just going to start here, set the, set the groundwork. It's been a while since I preached a sermon here. Hebrews 11, begin with verse 1, says, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it the people of old received their commendation. By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was made out of things that are, were not made out of things that are visible. So we've been talking about faith. Been doing a series on faith. Uh, it's probably, like I said before, it's the first series or, or group of teachings on faith that I've ever done. I've taught on faith, obviously, uh, many times over the years, but I've never done a series on faith. And, and, uh, you know, it's, it's, the, the subject is vast. Uh, the Lord's been, I, I've, I've realized the Lord's been leading me to, to make statements uh, along each, each sermon title, be a statement. And the, uh, the first thing we talked about is faith is trust. You know, we talk about what is faith? What is, well, we put our faith in something. We put our faith in God. What does that mean? That's, you, know, you could talk all super spiritual all you want, which we're not going to do. Or you could just say, I trust God. Bottom line, I trust God. I trust Him. If, if, the, if the world says this is one thing and God says this is different, then I trust God. If, if the, I don't know, if the, then if the neighbor kid down the street, I don't know, I'm just says that this is truth, but God says this is truth. Trust God. If the economist says, well, everything's going to fall apart and you better, you know, you're, everybody's going to be in a horrible financial situation and the world say, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, and everybody's panicking, but God says, I have supplied all your needs according to my riches and glory. You know, that's not prosperity, that's just provision. And we just happen to have a God who is prosperous. And prosperity is just, we have all of our needs met and we're able to give some away. That's prosperous. If I've got more than I need, my goodness, I'm blessed. There's a whole lot of people in this world that don't have what they need. I not only have what I need, I have more than what I need. That's prosperity. And you know why I have, I'm prosperous? Because I know him. Now, what about all those people that don't have? Well, I don't know about them. But I know people who minister to them, and I know them that are in Christ have their needs met. I do know that. 
I know, I know a number of people who live in mud houses. Do you, does anybody, other than the people who have been on mission trips, <laughs> other than them, because you know the same people I know, I keep pointing at him because he would be the first one to say. <laughs> does anybody who has never been out of the country or, do you know anybody who lives in a mud house? Not here in America. Not in America. My goodness. But I know people who live in mud houses and they come together and they worship God and they love Jesus and they're happy. They're happy. And they're blessed because they have their needs met and they're able to help others who are close to them. They're able to give. They're prosperous. It's all relative. I heard a, I heard a guy who was, uh, he was African. And he goes, people say you can't preach prosperity in Africa. He said, that's a lie. He said, I'm from Africa. He says, yeah, okay, if you use American standards, well, that's crazy. They don't live in America. He says, you, put, you, you have somebody who lives in the bush of Africa, and you give them a bicycle, they're prosperous. They don't need a Cadillac. I don't need a Cadillac. Give me a Dodge pickup. Man, glory to God. I don't know why I'm on prosperity. I don't know. I wasn't planning. as nowhere in my notes. Like nowhere in my notes. But here's the thing. When God is your God, you'll have what you need and more. Not according to American standards. Throw that stuff out man it's right it's just, it's just when you hang out in the wood shop all week you know you just sometimes you have to be careful what you say next throw that stuff out this whole idea well we have to compare everybody no why would we do that it doesn't make any sense if we do that well then we should be giving away a lot more because we're exceedingly blessed, ex- more than we could ever hope, think. And, and I know people do. This church does. It's prosperous. And it blesses. When there's ever a need, man, you just all we have to do is say, hey, there's a need. I mean, I don't even know. How much, how much money was given to, to uh, 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 yeah, my, my accountant wife. She's the church accountant. All of a sudden she went, ooh. Ballpark, not exact penny. I know you want to, but don't have to do it. How much was given to the uh, uh, Ukrainian refugees? $30,000. From this church. From just this church, since that whole thing started. And it keeps coming in. We're, We're blessed, and we're being a blessing. That is prosperity. That's prosperous. Now that 30,000, we could have done something with that, couldn't we? New motorcycle, <laughs> bass boat. Or we, do, or we do what God tells us to do, and we give what he tells us to give as he tells us to give. Not, we don't have to give more than he asks. He just, we just do whatever you say, Lord, I'll do it. And we still get the motorcycles and the bass boats. I'm so sorry for anybody. This is your first time you're thinking he's, oh, he's, one of them, he's one of them preachers. 
I'm not actually. I'm not a pros- I mean, I am a prosperity guy. I don't. I don't very. I very seldom talk about it. Very seldom. It's just all of a sudden it's come out of me, and you're here. Congratulations. I'll get back over to what I usually talk about in just a second, I promise. But we're blessed. Why? Because God God loves people. And he knew there was going to be some people in Ukraine who needed help. There's a whole lot of other countries I'm pretty sure haven't given a dime to help those people. That's not a pat on the back thing, that's just reality. Faith is trust. I'm back. Faith is trust. Faith is expectation. Faith is expecting God to do what he's promised he will do when you need it. Now, I have to be careful because I, you know, I, get, I get how people think and I get how it's been presented in, in, in some circles. Faith is you know, expecting God to do what I want him to do when I want him to do it is not Bible. It's not. Expecting God to do what I want him to do. Do you notice we just, I just prayed, Father, your will be done. Your will. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So we don't expect God to do what I want when I want it to happen. That would make me Lord. And that's not the way it works. I've, I've learned that over many years because I'm expecting God to do what he said he would do and it's never in my timing. Never. He does it in his timing. When is the right time? I heard that. That's a beautiful thing. Somebody just, somebody just mentioned the name of a book out there. We'll get to it, trust me. We can't go, God, I need you to do this. And here, here, I've, I've put this much money in the offering, so now you have to. <laughs> Wrong answer. No. No, 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 no. Anybody who tells you that, they're lying to you. Don't even play that game. Please don't play that game. It was a yeah. Please just don't play the game. It's not about that. God's not a vending machine. He's not. God's not. God's not. I'm going to put in my tithe, and I expect Him to do X, Y, Z, because I'm going to no. But no, no. But here's the right side of it. God has made promises to His people. The Bible is full of promises. Man, dear, I, I don't even know. Somebody might know how many, there's, there's a list of promises. How many, how many promises? He promised to save us if we repent. He, he's promised to provide all of our needs. He's promised to bless us. He's promised to protect us. He's promised, there's just promises and promises and promises. and pro- The Bible is full of his promises. And the only reason we receive them is because he's good. Does does giving an amount of money 
provoke him? No, not in the least. He's also said, God's not a man that he should lie. He's, he's, not, he's not dumb. He knows your heart. He knows people's hearts. Well, then why does it work for that TV preacher? Here I am, back on this again. Why does it, why does it work for that TV preacher? It's because it's manipulation. Don't be manipulated. Yeah, that's right. Don't be manipulated. God's not manipulated. Don't be manipulated. I can, I can expect God to do what he, what he said He wants to do. But I do it with a holy honor and reverence. I don't wake up in the morning going, really? Hasn't happened yet. Not yet? Really? See, I have other thoughts in my head, but I have to be really careful because there's things I wouldn't even say in joking around. Like, whoa, so you call yourself a god, huh? Huh? See what I mean? This is, my goodness, folks. People have taken the extremes and said we can never do that, we can never live. But then they forget about that. God says, put me to the test. Put me to the test. Try me in this. Check me out on this. He's given us promises and he wants us to be be a partner in what he's called us to be in. And it takes our faith, our expectation that he's going to do it. When he says that he wants the gospel to be preached in all, in all corners of the earth, and he's going to bring every tribe and every, every, every tongue and every nation to the throne. That means people need to go preach. Well, I'm at, if I ask God for what he wants, then he'll give me everything I need to get that done. When he gave us a vision, gave us a vision here to have a network of churches, to fill the St. Croix River Valley with churches every, in, in every town that makes sense, every 15 miles or so, a network of churches up the St. Croix River so that no matter where anybody goes on any given day, they, can only, they only have to drive seven miles to a church that preaches the gospel of Jesus Christ. When he, he told us to do that, it seems like an extremely impossible task, and in the natural, it is impossible. But we believe, I believe that he can do it. I believe he wants to do it. So we just start moving in that direction. We start expecting him to do it. And look what the Lord has done. Not only is it starting, is it happening, but there's also the provision for it is overwhelming. There's more than enough. If we need to do something, we could do it today. There used to be, it used to be in this church that if, if we wanted to do something, if we wanted to you know, start a new church, we'd have to go, okay, God. I still remember the first time when we started the church in Prescott. Was that five years ago now? Six years ago? 2018. Math. Five. I need help with math. I'm just saying, that, that was what that was. People know me, that's why people are laughing, okay? I need help with math. Math, good, five, yes, okay. <laughs> the, the, the finances weren't there to do a lot of things. And the Holy Spirit said, We're gonna, you're going to start, the, in, in 2018, you're going to start a church in Prescott, and you don't start until you have $10,000 in the bank. And I just sat there when he told me, and I was like, oh my gosh. That's a lot of money. 
So I got up by faith on Sunday morning on the first weekend of that, or first Sunday of that year. I said, okay, the Lord told us we're going to plant a church in Prescott, Wisconsin. Everybody went, yay, praise the Lord. And we're not going to start until we have $10,000 in the bank. Do you know how much came in that week? For those of you sitting over there. Nothing. Okay. Got up the next Sunday. The Lord, because God says, share it again. Share the vision again. Okay, we're going to plant a church in Prescott. Yay! And when the Lord said, we're not going to start until we have $10,000 in the bank. Guess how much came in that week? Twice as much. (laughs) But here's the thing. Every day I was expecting it to be there. I was expecting it. I did. I wake up in the morning going, today's the day. Today today would be great. Today would be wonderful. I'm expecting it. It's coming. Second, third week. Say it again. Nothing. Fourth week. Nothing. Fifth week. Nothing. Not a penny came in. Not a penny. Not one penny. I mean, and it wasn't like we had ten thousand. Let's just slide it over into that account. Call it good, and let's go. There was that. There wasn't that kind of money around. We were paying bills, covering stuff. That was it. Sixth week. Sixth week. I had two very influential people within this church. Very, really wonderful people, leaders within the church came up to me individually and said, "I got to ask you a question. What's the chance you might have missed God?" They were just being honest. And I like honesty. I like honesty. I, I love honesty. What's the chance you missed it? <laughs> I went, ah, well, I, I know the voice of God. I know, what, I know I've heard him speak before. I've heard, I've heard him leading before. I said, no. I said, why do you ask that? And they said, because we prayed about being a part of that, being a part of that vision. And they both said the exact same thing. We prayed about being a part of that. And the Lord said, don't give anything. God was telling people not to give towards the vision he's asked us to give towards. Explain that theologically to me. Except he had a plan. He had a plan. He had a plan. He had a plan. It wasn't my plan, because my plan would have been sorted out long before then. Six weeks, seven weeks, eight weeks. Not a penny came in. I had to keep getting up every Sunday going, we're planting a church in Prescott. By about the eighth week, it was like, because no money was coming in. No people weren't cheering anymore. And then one day, I think it was either the ninth or tenth week, someone walked up to my wife, who's the bookkeeper, and just said, did did somebody give that money yet for the church in Prescott? And my wife said, no, nothing's come in. And they went, oh, yeah, God told me about three weeks, to give it, three weeks ago to give it all. <laughs> to give all $10,000. <laughs> okay, then. Do you see what take, you know, here's the deal. God, God has a plan, but guess what people have to, <gasps> listen to cooperate. Yeah, they have to listen and cooperate. L- let me just say that again. Listen and, co- and cooperate. Because God's, God's telling people stuff. And, and it's not going to happen until they obey. 
And they went, oh, well, if they haven't given, then I'll, I'll, I'll get it to you. We'll get it to you. It took two weeks for them to get it, but that's okay. But here's the deal. God has a plan. He, may, he is working his plan, but if we lose our expectation, and, here, and here's where I'm headed today, is faith is about patience, patient endurance. Faith is patient endurance. I, I need to expect that God is going to do what he says he's going to do. And it may not happen when I want it to. It usually doesn't. We're going to get to Bible scripture. Trust me, new people, just in case you're wondering, I will read the Bible. I promise. This has all been kind of catch up from the last few weeks and set up. But God will do what he says he's going to do, but he'll do it when it's the right time. I don't understand that. Now, I know, and then we'll get to the scriptures, I promise, but I want to give you a testimony. I want to give you a testimony. I know for the last three plus years, three, it's, it's been at least three, if not four years, many of you have said something to me about, are you okay? Not, I'm not talking about mentally, or you know, I'm talking about physically, because you've seen me limp. How many of you have noticed that? You've seen me limp. Sometimes it's profusely. I'm, I, and and I, I, I hurt my hip. I don't know how I hurt my hip. Happened about four years ago. I don't know what I did, but one day it was not hurting, and I was working out, I was training, doing some stuff, some very physical stuff, and, and all of a sudden it hurt. It, I couldn't hardly walk on it. My hip would, it would just, the pain was, was severe. I went to chiropractors, I went to, I went to uh, uh, reflex, not reflex, where they bend you and they hurt you, when they twist, you know, and they... <laughs> They stretched me, and they massaged me, and they had me have supplements, and I mean, for four years, I just tried everything. I tried this, I tried that, everything, and, I, and then I, I, during that whole time, I'm speaking over it. I'm saying, in Jesus' name, I am healed. Don't look healed. I am healed. My, this hip comes in line with the Word of God. I've been speaking over it daily for four years. Come in line, laying hands on myself, speaking to it, confessing. I'm not going to walk with a limp the rest of my life. I got too much life ahead of me. I'm not going to walk with a limp. By faith, and every day I'm expecting it to get better. And for four years, I'd wake up in the morning, couldn't hardly walk. Two weeks ago, two weeks ago, I'm not doing anything spiritual at all. I wished I could say that the band was playing. <laughs> the presence of God was amazing. Someone had a word. There was a thunderclap, and I was healed. Wasn't that at all. I was actually on vacation at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway watching a race. Not the 500. That's today. We're going to let you out early to be able to go watch that. Well, so I can go watch it. <laughs> And I'm walking across this long, in which I, I, in my head, I'm going, I can't get too far away from my seat. I can't get too far away from my seat because it, it'll take me for, if it, something goes wrong, if it pops up, if something happens, I won't be able to get back to my seat for a long time. And I'm, I'm sitting there and I'm calculating. All of a sudden, I'm walking along and, and all of a sudden I realized my hip doesn't hurt at all. Like, at all. 
I'm just walking along. All of a sudden, it's like, and from that day till now, and beyond now, get that in there, get beyond now, from now on, there's no pain. It stopped. It's just like it stopped. That's God. I was expecting, I've been expecting, expecting, and, and just like, and you've heard me preach at times going, you know, well, how long do you do this? How long, you know, I mean, because there's things in my body I'm speaking. Now there's other things I'm speaking to. My goodness, this getting old thing. What the heck? I've been, I've been, I've been concentrating. I've been, I've been meditating on like these stories about, you know, uh, 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 what was it? Caleb? Caleb, who went? I want the mountains. You know, at 80 years old, he wanted to go fight in the mountains. Amen. And the, the uh, I just we just read it today in the daily reading that that uh, uh, Aaron. God says, Aaron, it's the end of your life. You're going to go. You're going to be caught. You know, you're going to die. Uh, climb that mountain. When you get to the top, you're going to die. That's what he said. Read it. But here's the thing. At his age, he could climb the mountain. He did what God told him to do. He finished his race. He finished it out. And he did it being able to, at the end, climb mountains at 126 years old. I don't care about 126. 90 would be cool. I'd be good with 90. 95. We'll see. But here's the deal. Expectation. The whole time I was always expecting for it to happen, but when it happened, I was like, whoa. It just happened. And why? I can't, I have, I can't, I can't give you a single reason why, why it worked, why it happened, except but God. Amen? All right, let's get to some Bible scriptures here. Hebrews 11, 8. Hebrews 11, still in the same area. Hebrews 11 8 says, by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. That's expectation. God said, I'm going to give you this land. I'm going to give you the promised land. Your, 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 your offspring will inherit it. Uh, when he said it to him, there were no offspring. He had no son. He had no daughter. He had no children. He didn't have anyone to give that land. He didn't have someone to inherit it past his life. And but he believed, it says that he believed God and it was accredited, accredited, that's a hard word for me to say. Accredited did. Is that the right number? Accredited did. Shorten it? Accredited. No. You get the point. It was counted to him <laughs> as righteousness because he believed God. He trusted God. He believed and, he, and God went, whoa, he believes me. Now I'm going to do this thing. And he gave him a miraculous son, Isaac, who then had children, Jacob, who then had children, the 12, who turned into... But here's the thing. He was promised this promised land and, and he was told before he died... It's not going to happen for 500 more years, didn't he? He said, your children are going to go down to a foreign land. They're going to be in slavery. They're going to be there for 485 years. The Bible says, 
on the day that they left was exactly to the date of 485 years. God's word was fulfilled exactly how he said it would be fulfilled. But it took time. There's a great book out there. You can find it on Amazon. I don't know if it's great. It's a good book. It's on It's a, for those of you on TV, you don't, you don't get to hear the comments. He, I, I said, it's a good book. He said, well, it's on Amazon. Well, not everything on Amazon is good. I'm, I am pretty sure. But there is a good... The time between times, the time between when God says he's going to do something and when it actually happens, you don't have control over that. What you have control over is how you react within it. It's what you do. It's how you live your life. It's how you choose to believe. It's what you do when you choose to believe. When God says he's going to do something, then it's up to you to be ready for it when you get there. So what do you have to learn? What do you have to do? How, what, what areas do you have to get to deal with in your life? When God told me that I was going to be a senior pastor of a church, I was ready I'm ready. I can do this. I, can do. I couldn't have done it then more than... It was bad enough when I did start doing it, when I realized how much I didn't know. But in those six years between when God said he was going to do it and when I actually became the senior pastor in 2002, 2002 God dealt with me strongly pointed out all kinds of things in my life that needed to get sorted out. Pointed out all, all kinds of habits and made me deal with it. It wasn't fun. Those years weren't fun. They weren't, yay, I'm being trained by God. No, ask my wife. Most days I'd come home and she'd go, how was your day? You know, I'm actually pretty sure that most of those things that I went through, that I dealt with, that God, God worked in me and how I had to make decisions every step of the way, I don't get any crowns for any of them. Because my attitude was horrible. The only saving grace is I didn't tell anybody else except her. That's why she looks at me and goes, <laughs> 500 years. 500, what do you do when God promises you something and it takes forever for it to happen? You have to learn to wait patiently. Patient endurance. Faith is patient endurance. If God says you're going to be healed, because his word says he is the God who heals you. He is the God who heals you. Jehovah <laughs> Rafa Jehovah the God who heals you okay he is a healer well I, I'm still dealing with this X, Y, Z whatever it is then don't give up don't quit don't stop short don't go well I guess I'll just have to live with it no I'd see people I'd see, see older men walking and I go, oh, 
I don't want, I want to be able to be active. There's things, there's places God wants me to go. There's things he wants me to do. And I want to be able to do it, not only just barely get there. I want to do it with strength. Don't give up. Don't give up. Don't, don't pull up short. Patient endurance. It goes on and on here, telling about how these all died in their faith. Verse 13, these all died in their faith. Abraham died without experiencing his children receiving the promise. But did he receive the promise? Yes. It says he received it by faith. As far as it was for him, as far as it was in his world, his children inherited that land. Whether he was standing there, whether he saw it physically or not, he saw it spiritually, I'm sure. But even before before he died, he's like, no, thank you, God, that my children inherit this ground. That's why he was the father of faith. Because he kept believing, even when it seemed impossible. Even though he knew there was going to be tests and trials ahead of time. Because of patient endurance, he kept moving forward. Verse 14 says, For people who speak this way make it clear that they are seeking a homeland if they had been thinking of the land of that land from which they had gone out, they would have had opportunity to return. That was the problem, that was the problem with the children of Israel as they kept looking back at Egypt. And in their heart, they turned back to Egypt. They went back to Egypt in their heart. And God says, I can't work with you guys. You're all going to die. We are given a choice whether to believe God or not. And then how we act upon it is whether we're going to receive the promise or not. By faith, we walk. We expect Him to do it. We trust Him. We expect it. And then we do whatever He says to do to get there. That's faith is an action. We could, God can give us a vision for 24 churches in the valley, but if we don't do something about it, if we don't start moving towards it, last week, praise God, we had the, the MTC graduation. That's doing something about it. We're training people. We, we're setting up systems to train people to do what it takes to go plant a church. There are now more people who know they're part of how or what they would do if they go and plant a church. Worship leaders, children's workers, ministers. They're ready. They're more ready than when they started. They're not completely ready because none of us are. But we're doing something about it. Well, you know, there were more people the first year. There's only this many second year. That has nothing to do with it. It isn't about what it looks like. What it is is obedience, Every morning I would get up and I would do stretches. I would do, and, and every, you know, I would do the things that I knew to do for my hip. And it would give some relief, but it never ended it. What ended it? Walking, I should, I should, everybody should go to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. There is an, an anointing for, no, it, don't do it. It's not the place. It's just, God, God being God. I don't know why he does the thing, you know? If he did everything that I expected to do when I expected, uh, that's not God. God is God. He's far above everything. He's far above me. Yeah. 
How many of you have been waiting a long time for something that God has promised you? How many of you are, are, are God has spoken to you, you've seen a, something in the Word that says, this is, who you, this is who you are, this is what you are, this is what I'm going to do in your life, and it hasn't happened yet. And it hasn't happened yet, and it hasn't, still hasn't happened yet. A year later, it still hasn't happened yet. It still hasn't happened. We're all dealing with that in some area. Every one of us. It's the human nature. If you're walking with God, He always puts things out in front of you. See, I know, I know I'm not dying anytime soon because he's told me things about my future that I don't know how in the world it ever will happen. I just don't, I look at it and go, that's amazing. I'd love, I'd love to be a part of that. I'd love to do that. But it's outside of my ability to make it happen. And until it happens, actually, when some of those things have happened in the past where it's like, whoa, God's done everything he said he was going to, whoa. I like having things so far, you know, that are out there that, like, okay, well, I know I'm going to be, I can expect that. It's, it's patient endurance expecting for the things that God says he's going to do. And we do that as we walk through that, then he'll put, the, he'll put it out even further because he's always the God of moving forward. He's always. He's never the God of sitting down, stopping, and being done. Not once, not ever. If you think you're in a position where it's like, I give up, I quit, I'm just going to sit and just, I'm just going to ride this thing out, then you're wrong. That's not God. That's not God's plan for your life. God has a plan to bless you, to prosper you, to, en- to enlarge your ability, your, your capacity to touch the lives of others. Two weeks? How long? How long are you prepared to wait? Two weeks? Two months, two years, 20 years? How long is too long? How long is too long and you feel that God has failed you? Now, just being real, I'm going to turn this over to Brian here in just a moment. There were times, there have been times, there's been many times where I, have, I get discouraged. I do. It's just the reality of human beings. There's been opportunity to go, I, I don't know how this ever happens. I don't know how this sort of thing gets fixed. How this thing, sort of thing gets... And I've been tempted, severely tempted, to just give up. And there, there are days when I sit around and feel sorry for myself. And then I read the Word and I remember that, well, at least it hasn't been 120 years. I can just see Noah. You know, we get up there and he's like, Really? You gave up after, after 40 years, you wimp. Because <laughs> he had to wait 120 years for the first raindrop. How long's too long? Don't, just don't give in to it. Expect, just choose. Today, God, I trust you that, to, that today's another day. Today's another day for the miraculous to happen. There's, today's another day for your, for your will to be fulfilled in my life, and I'm expecting it. It's coming. It's coming. It's going to happen. I don't know when it's going to happen, but it'll happen. Today could be the day. Well, happy Pentecost Sunday, huh? The birth of the church almost 2,000 years ago. Three years ago, we reopened the church to uh, inside, in-person worship, and, and God's blessed us ever since. 
When I was praying about what I should uh, present today, I was reminded of a teaching I had a couple years ago, and I kind of shortened it up and stuff, and, and, I, and I think it fits for what uh, Pastor John was talking to today. And we've been talking a lot about faith and trust, right? That's, that's important for us as believers. And so sometimes we ask ourselves, do we believe that we have enough for our abundant life? We may ask, enough what? All I see is lack. All I feel is my affliction. All I see is tragedy. But when we understand how the kingdom works, we'll recognize that more than enough for every need is available right now. The problem is our focus. Right, the one thing that would change our perspective for every possible situation and challenge is this. We need to stop focusing on our need and start recognizing our seed. It isn't our need that deserves our focus, our time, and our attention. For most of us, when we're challenged by a negative circumstance, sickness, or need, our first reaction is to focus on the need. We meditate on it day and night. We talk about it to others. Our lives revolve around the problem and the pain. We take ownership of the problem and the pain. The disciples were frequently guilty of this. When Jesus saw multi the multitude following him with no food, he turned to his disciples and he said, you give them something to eat, right? When they said, well, we have, we don't, all we have is five loaves and two fish. And Jesus said, bring them to me, offer them to me. Like most of us, they responded by focusing on the need. We only have this. We have only this. What we see will determine how we live. If we only see lack, need, pain, and failure, that will be our future. If we approach every challenge with the understanding um, and the phrase, I have only, our futures will reflect those apparent limitations, and we won't grow if we can shift our focus to the resources of God within us, everything changes. Philemon 1.6 says that the sharing of your faith may become effective by the acknowledgement of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. Within the heart of every believer, there exist the divine resources that we need for our destinies, to change our destinies. Our resources are not impacted by the natural world or our circumstances. Our resources are spiritual, and they're far more powerful than the natural resources around us. Our resources are this. They're seeds of God's grace, right? They're his name, his word, his covenant, his blood, his spirit, his gifts, his promises, his armor, his keys, his authority, his faith, his joy, his peace, and his provision. We often feel so overwhelmed by our circumstances that we may not even believe that these resources are with us in our born-again spirit, but they are. And they must be sown as seeds. Right? If we could simply open our spiritual eyes and recognize the wealth of God's seed within us, we would be on the road to victory. You know, I'm speaking to myself first and foremost on this. I, you know, I've promised I would never get up and say anything that didn't apply to me. And so I constantly have to remember this. Jesus said that the kingdom of God 
is as a man scattering seed on the ground. We are all sowing seed all of our lives. But what seed are we sowing, right? What are we focusing on? We need to stop focusing on our need and start recognizing our seed, the abilities that God's given us, the resources that he's given us. That means we need to recognize that God is the source of everything good in our lives. And he leads us to give, right? We, he provides bread for food and seed to sow. Like Pastor John said earlier, we give out of our excess, right? We are provided for, and the extra is to sow into other people. King David said this in Psalm 37:25. He said, I have been young, and now I'm old, yet have not seen the righteous forsaken, nor his descendants begging bread. Amen? That's a promise. And King David was the old covenant. Can you imagine our new covenant promises that Jesus provided? So we, we need, I need to focus on having enough and extra. We eat our bread and sow our seed, our abundance. That's the promise of God. So we have various ways we can give here, and they're up on the board. And if you've been here any length of time, you know them all, so I won't... Uh, detail each of them, but we're prosperous. God has blessed this congregation. God has blessed us as individuals. And as we continue to sow our seed, we will continue to reap our bread. Amen. Father God, we do thank you for this day. Father, we thank you for those that have given their lives for this country, for this great nation. Father, we, we ask your blessing on those families, those that are hurting and those that are remembering today. Father, we also thank you for the birth of the church. Father, we thank you that the church is your idea. And Father, we thank you that you are increasing to us daily. We ask your blessing on this offering. We ask your blessing on each and every individual in Jesus' name. Amen.